Man, how y'all doing tonight? Much love to the fam. Appreciate y'all being in this live. And this one here, fam, howling at the black and gold is kind of late, man. But listen, man, uh, we are uh, dealing with some supreme or extreme weather, rather, coming into here. We have a under a freeze watch currently. I know some of the family members around the area are probably going through the same stuff right now as the temperatures are dropping. It's not like our up north family members, but you got to understand hard freeze warnings down here. Um, we take it seriously, just like you would in other places. But, you know, we just have to watch out, man. So y'all be safe tomorrow as the temperature is supposed to plunge a bit and get a little cold. So y'all guys bundle up and um, y'all keep it easy, man. All right. So shout out to the fan. Appreciate y'all being in the stream. Like I've been saying for some time now. Welcome, welcome, welcome. You know, rocking with the sports coma with Big Q and the guys. But we have intense, entertaining, educating and enlightening sport talk. From your favorite sports fam was popping. Shout out to the fam. This we're here. Open up the stream, man. Fixing the New Orleans Saints. If it was all that easy, right? And really it is. It is easy to fix the New Orleans Saints. Granted, you have to be serious about doing some fixing of the New Orleans Saints, but it could be done. It could be done. So before we get going, um, please feel free, family, hit the like button, hit the subscribe button. And by all means, feel free to share the show on your social media feed. It helps us out a great deal. We in this thing. All right. So let's just jump right into it, man. Shout out to you guys. Let's get right into some of this stuff here. This is uh, taken from an article right here. And man, listen, man, it's been a rough season, man. You know, I had to take a couple of days back kind of looking at things I did watch a couple of the football games, playoff games this past weekend. I watched the Cowboys get shellacked by the Packers, the same Packer club that we allowed to come back, you know, with 11 minutes left to go in the third quarter and beat us 18 to 17. The Packers took advantage. They were able to 
beat the crap out of the Cowboys, which is always fun to watch the Cowboys win 12 games and then lose in the first round. That's always fun. And the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, who we split with, the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, you know, in the playoffs, trying to take care of business as well. So it's very interesting, man, to see how things kind of looking at his Tampa Bay. Did they think against the Eagles? Boy, the Eagles, could you imagine? So we talk about two playoff shockers. A lot of people anticipating the Eagles to beat the Buccaneers and the Cowboys beating the pack. Uh-uh. It went the opposite way. And both of them were nice handily wins by opposite teams. Baker Mayfield's Bucks over the Eagles. Jordan Love's pack over the Cowboys. Pretty cool, right? No, it ain't really fun to hear about, you know, because that should have been our squad there. But in the end, you know, it is what it is. But Mickey Loomis and Dennis Allen are disappointed. <laughs> they disappointed. Boy, every time I hear that, that just, man, that just, just infuriates me. So shout out to the fan. Appreciate y'all. I see you, Carla. Shout out to the Queens in this thing. Much love to you, Carla. Barbara, good to see y'all in the chat as well. Much love. Appreciate y'all. Uh, as well, Pelic is Noma, Lola, Nola, Vilma, G-Fly, OG. Shout out to all y'all. Be kind. Gundam on the rest of the fam. Kim, I see you. Slim, much love. Bronze Flat Power God, shout out to you, man. Appreciate all y'all. Molly Maul in this thing. KK, what's popping? Good to see you in the building as well, man. But listen, it's cool, man. It's very cool, but we're going to go over this stuff, and this is an article from Saints News Network. Shout out to Brother Kyle T and the rest of the team at Saints News Network putting this one together, fixing the Saints in the offseason. Saints have a lot of things to figure out over the next several months. Even though the season just ended, the Saints having a debrief after a lost year and will need to work on a 2024 plan now to be better positioning themselves when they take the field again in June for mandatory minicamp. <sighs> Listen, the Saints had everything. They had everything. They had it all. And they squandered it. They mismanaged it. It's not like one of them situations where, you know, hold on just a second, fam. I don't have my cord. Yeah, but it's just, to me, going through everything that we've seen this past season and watching these people mismanaged, mismanaged time. That's the most valuable resource that we had that they just squandered it. They waste time. That's what the Saints do under Mickey Loomis and Dennis Allen. They waste time. This is this is a league where if you're losing these games, you're losing them because something wrong. You're not handling your business. But all the talent that we had on offense, on defense, and even on special teams, there was no reason in a soft schedule, there was no reason for the Saints to not make a playoff. Absolutely zero reason. But they didn't. Why? mismanagement, 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 mismanagement was the key ingredient this year. Mismanagement. Dennis Allen mismanaging his team. Mickey Loomis not managing anything, which is a form of mismanagement. And do I expect these two people to do anything different and, and achieve next year when they're anticipating it to be a softer schedule? There will, you will never get a softer schedule than what you got last year. I don't care what the new reports are showing this other stuff. Everything was set up for the Saints to achieve it. 
And when things went awry, which is, it's not, listen, I'm going to go through this stuff, but please bear in mind, family, the Saints don't have a talent issue. They have a management issue. That's a whole nother thing. And the guys that's managing the team are not proactive during the season. When coaches are not coaching the offense or the defense correctly, they don't do anything about it. They don't go there and switch out play callers. If there's a problem with the offense, like Pete Carmichael had all that stuff that was going on early in the season when the offense was stinking, not scoring any touchdowns, and they were kicking field goals. He was under fire every week, and Dennis Allen sat up there and made excuses for him and protected him while the offense was falling through the floor. That's that's If you were more pro, pro, proactive right there, things could have changed. You might have won the game. You might have won more, and that makes a difference. You could have won more game, maybe two games. But he didn't do anything. He just let it be. And that's the same. And Dennis Allen, I can't really blame him, even though I know, and I say that all the time, because Dennis, you know who Dennis Allen is. You know he's not a head coach. No head coach that's worth this salt would apologize to another, to the rival's team for them scoring a touchdown on him. Nobody would do that. No team worth this salt would throw his people under the bus. I don't care what they did. All that stuff is supposed to be handled in-house. That's why people don't respect them. And if you got a manager that's too dumb to see that this guy's not a coach, he is not a real manager himself, and he was living off Sean Payton's rep. All of them were. All of them do. That's why they underachieve here right now before your face. All those dudes was living off of Sean Payton's rep and what he was doing. And like I said before, people laugh at it, but these are sidekicks. This is what it looks like. Your team is ran by a group of sidekicks that's living off of past rep. They don't, they're not, they're not proactive. They're not visionaries. And Mickey Loomis has too much power in the New Orleans Saints organization. He does. Gail need to do Gail, you need to get up and do something about that. Mickey Loomis is the big is the biggest problem the Saints have. Because a real general manager knows when he has a problem. With the team, the Philadelphia, there's rumors out on the Philadelphia Eagles getting ready to hit that their head coach is under fire. They get fired and that team was just in the play of the Super Bowl. What? What? Last year? I mean, this that team was, you know, just <laughs> and the guy rumors is he's under fire right now. How is he under fire? And this dude we got in the building with the Saints is not under fire right now. How that, does that any make that? That doesn't make any sense at all. It does in the NFL world where the Saints live on the island because the team is too fat and comfortable with sucking up your money and giving you mixed results. See, Philadelphia people don't play that shit. Them Philadelphia people up there, they laying it down. They telling them to their face that you're going to do this, that, and third. They're serious about it. They had Dougie Peterson. He won a Super Bowl for him. A couple of years later, Dougie P was gone. Now they bite and they might be a little insatiable at times, but they keep the fire on you. That's how you're supposed to be. There should be no point ever that a general manager or a guy supposed to be a general manager is supposed to stand up there before the, the team and thumb his nose at people, giving him the facts about how dumb this coach is and he's still protecting them and keeping them. Absolutely not. Mickey Loomis needs to go from that general manager position. No guy in that organization is bigger than winning. Nobody's more important to uh, to bringing success or making the family members happy 
And this guy has way too much power and he ain't even related to the family. He has way too much power in that organization and he's way too fossilized in his thinking. Like when the moment he needs to, and it's just, it's a lot, but the biggest problem you have is Mickey Loomis for real. The biggest problem. The dude is a big problem. Way bigger than Dennis Allen, by the way. Anyway, let's jump right into it. Honest evaluation for the coaching staff. Most of the changes we should expect for the Saints will be on the offensive side of the ball. It should be. While everything feels like it should be on the table, uh, they said he said his vote would be to keep Ronald Curry, the quarterback's passing game coordinator. Cody Burns, the wide receiver uh, coach. And I do like Cody Burns. I think Cody Burns is a smart dude. Ronald Curry, however, I wouldn't be upset if the Saints kept Ronald Curry at the quarterback passing game coordinator. I just think that's somebody going to end up taking him. They almost lost, lost him last year. And he came back this year. It might not be the same thing. Clancy Barone with the tight ends have done really good as well. So I'm cool with that. Pete Carmichael will obviously be the biggest name the Saints could replace. Respectfully, the Saints have had the same offense for the past 17 years. Some of the parts and pieces have evolved and changed, but the basic concept has been there for a long time. Fresh ideas, a new perspective would be welcome. While the team overlocked, or what he means, overlooked things down the stretch, it was it was just inconsistent. Coaching and game planning could easily spell the difference between wins and losses. We saw too much of it in this past season. Doug Marone and Kevin Carberry had the offensive line ready to go and figure things out after some major struggles early in the season. But one of the most concerning things moving forward is Trevor Penning. I don't have a glowing opinion of, of Doug Marone like that. I really don't. I think uh, we could do better. I didn't like how the offensive line played. He had veterans. And the offensive line played in many games this year stupidly. They were they were undisciplined. They were disjointed. They were false starting. They didn't play with the same intensity every snap. The running game suffered. So I don't have the same glorying uh, look of the offensive line as the writer does. I damn sure don't. I think we could do better. Uh, he could even jumble work in garbage time with injuries that would went to the practice scout offensive lineman that was troubling. But pinning is something that's been a problem. The Saints literally grabbed grab pinning and just pushed him all the way to the bottom of the active roster. I mean, you had guys like Cam Irvin coming off the practice squad and playing. I'm like, damn, pinning struggled, but he's not that bad where everybody should be getting a shot. And the only way he plays if you don't have anybody else to play. Like, damn. So we'll see how they handle that. Uh, the Saints has has to get him the right mentor or the coach. This is going to just be, you know, be a massive bust. I don't think Trevor Penning is going to be a bust. I think you need to bust up the offensive line coach and find somebody else. Somebody that can motivate these guys to play smart but nasty because running the running game and playing with running game is an attitude you got to have. You got to have an attitude. You can't be all uh, milk toast. You can't be all docile. And you can't be like we've seen the Saints offensive line play there. Who, who has a nasty disposition on that line? Who plays with none of them guys plays with them? That's why the line looked like that for most of the season. It wasn't mauling out anybody, you know, so you got to find somebody else. I think Doug Marone has run his course here in New Orleans, and I wouldn't be upset if they got rid of him. All right, anything beyond the main components of the offensive line, offensive coordinator could be on the table, but we have to see how it shapes. Defensively, feel pretty good, but I'll keep it everything in place. Michael Hodges could be 
a coach to watch. He's done a tremendous job for years with groups, as it won't be surprised to see one give him an extended look. Yeah, I've been hearing Michael Hodges have given, definitely getting a lot of credit, you know, for how he's been doing. The next thing, getting under the, the cap, restructures. We know that these things are coming just a part of how the Saints operate. We've already seen them reshaped or um, restructure Laddie Daddy with Mark Sean Lattimore and James Winston's contract. Carr will have a prime candidate. He'll be a prime candidate for restructure, but the New Orleans Saints doesn't exactly have to touch his contract to get cap compliant. If they do touch Carr's deal, they could free up roughly $23 million with just him. And of course, a common practice to help the Saints with even more cap relief could be to add void years to the deal, which is the kick the can thing. That's all he offers. That's all he offers to kick the can, you know. And and the thing is, the the mentality which was said by Lomas was they were supposed to work it back toward the center, which is to stop kicking the can. They can't do it because they created a bad habit where every damn year the Saints are eighty plus million dollars consistently over the cap, and they have to constantly restructure contracts. And when they do that. They add void years in some of the contracts, non-playable years that span out into and eat up the cap of future years. The problem is with the Saints doing this situation is starting to backfire because the Saints are not turning out young players that are being very beneficial, especially ones that we're drafting. We are not drafting as well as we were before. The dra- look at look at what's going on now. Now, Brian Brissy is stellar. He had a really good season at the defensive line. Jordan Howden stepped up. That's some of our draft guys. Kendra Miller, is he is a force, but he was terribly injured most of the year. A.T. Perry turned into something very positive. But, you know, you span back several years. There is the Peyton Turner situation. How does he fare it out? This first-round draft picks, high picks that are not providing the value Davenport bust is Peyton Turner headed in that direction. You know, so a lot of guys at the Saints and Trevor Penning right now is literally smushed down way in the depths of the offensive line where practice squad veterans are getting chances over him. So that, that has to be changed and addressed philosophy wise. And to say that about some guys old as Mickey Loomis, who's a dinosaur already, you asking him not to have more of a progressive look he going to keep doing what he's doing, which is kick the can. I mean, that that's what he's going to That's not going to change. He's going to continue to kick the can. That's that's just how it is. All right, here's a couple of players that the Saints could look at for relief. Cam Jordan, 9.4 million. Demario Davis, 8 million. Eric McCoy, 6.7. Carl Grandison, 7.2. Cesar Ruiz, 6.6. Taysom Hill, 6.6. And AK-41, 8 mil. Along with Carr, they would roughly free up 76 mil. There are others to look at. Tyron Matthew, Jawan Johnson could also generate an extra 9.5 mil. The Saints will need to have space to spend, also have the room to sign rookies. We'll see what happens sooner than later. Make tough decisions. What do you mean? We already knew there's a few old guard players that might not be with the team next year. While those obviously come to the surface soon enough, the thought process, stay or go exercise from my colleague here, it's, it makes a lot of sense. He says the departures of I expect wouldn't be wouldn't shock, would be shock at Jameis Winston or Michael Thomas, Andrews, Peter, Marcus May. The future decision regarding Lattimore would be fascinating to see unfold 
with this option clause. Lattimore is a big presence on the field, taking away almost half of it when he's out there. Saints proved they could thrive without him, but there was also times when they look lost. If they trade him for any reason, they would give Isaac Edom a spot to start opposite of Paulson or Debo and Alante stays as Taylor stays in the slot. What was encouraging to see, the Saints' final offensive performance against the Falcons is a success with Kamara, Ramchek, Thomas, and Lattimore without him. So it's possible that it's certainly not a norm we could get used to or honestly, we, you know, whatever. So listen, I, I am not for, this is something that's being bantered about, whether it's something people are just using for, for um, just writing stuff, just to throw that out there. You know, not clickbait, but, you know, approaching the Trey Lattimore thing, which is, that's not something that a smart team supposed to be doing. Notice I said smart team. That's not something you would want to even look at. Number one, like I said, Lattimore is a guy that is a lockdown corner. I am not comfortable enough, and I've seen Isaac Yidham have a progression under Coach Joe Woods. He did. He looked better. But that doesn't make me feel good enough to trade Lattimore to put Isaac Yidham in there because he's a cheaper option because he played well in several games last year. That's not enough. That's not enough for me. You got a proven guy with a restructured contract. He's all hands off on that. Hands off on Lattimore. And let's just keep what we got. You can afford it. It's not like you can't afford to keep what you got. There are other guys here that you can restructure. Guys that are might be having issues playing next year. There's other places you can go. Like I said, Marcus May, I'm cool with them getting rid of Marcus May because Jordan Howden showed you and Marcus May can't stay on the field. Andrews Pete time is up. Michael Thomas times is up. Jameis Winston. I believe Jameis, even though they restructured his deal, I think Jameis probably going to end up. I think Jameis Winston, the Saints probably going to hit up for a split. It's just, it's just not, it's not a a harmonious thing. You know, it's, it's almost like he gave him a cheap replay to come back here. I just don't feel like, I think Jameis and them, you know, that night might be headed toward a cut or something happened, maybe post June. We'll see. But I, I, I'm just feeling like that might not, that might have run of, run its course. All right. Tighten up scouting evaluations, prototypes and small schools finds are nice, but if you're going to turn this thing around, you're not going to rely on a ton of rookies to make an instant impact. Also, you know, a lone star for, he says, let alone star for you. Yes. New Orleans has two picks in the top 50, the 14th and the 45 selection. They hit goal with Breezy. A Brian Brissett, but the picks between this, the rounds two and four didn't exactly make a huge impact. And all honesty, the team got more of their day three and undrafted rookies than they did on day two. And then you talk about the relative athletic score, which the RES is always a metric that measures New Orleans used, you know, has used for the draft. It's all it's like, it's almost like running a, a running joke that someone needs to have at least a nine point or higher to get eat, to even get considered by the Saints after the two top picks. The Saints won't operate again. Until day three, as of right now, the Saints want to inject a little bit more youth into that roster. And we'll be banking on some of the younger players to make big jumps and simply isn't the year to draft a, pl- a project or a player that has potential to be great. You see the Saints picks round one, round two via the Broncos. No third, no fourth. They have a five and a six and a seventh from the Broncos. And you can see some more compensatory picks added to this. 
And he does mention that here, but those aren't projected to be higher than the fifth round that they can also obviously be, uh, you know, obviously acquire more if they offload a player via trade or through any other means. Priority key free agents. Areas of need, the Saints have a couple of glaring areas that need to address in offseason. And uh, they should start on the offensive line. And I've been saying that to the end of the season. We talked about that, that the Saints offensive line, left tackle, left guard, problem. Right tackle also. Trevor Penning should, like I said, he shouldn't be anywhere on the left side in terms of being a left tackle. I think right tackle would be better for him. I said that when they drafted him. I kept telling them that. And look, how, just remember, we kept telling them, don't do that. I was telling them that, that he's not a left tackle. Play him at the right side. You don't put a rookie at the blind side. I kept telling them that. Look how bad this failed on Penning. I kept saying that. Because how I know that? Because that's common freaking sense. How did they not know that? It's common sense. It is common NFL sense for you not to use a rookie. If you can help it, don't put your rookie offensive lineman for the blind side to protect the quarterback. That's two. And then then the rival defenses just sending their best pass rushers at the dude. Now it's just it was a bad look. They didn't they didn't put him in a position to win, man. You know, but anyway, let's take a look at it, man. Here's the thought process. You didn't have a good running game last season, and you you shouldn't rely on rookies to protect a veteran and Derek Carr. I said that years ago. You're not sure what the future holds for Ramcheck. At this point, you can't count on pinning. Pete is a free agent right now, and only certain players you have returning are James Hurston. He needs to be putting a Hurston ship out of here. James Hurst is is, is no. Don't need to be starting for you, and he don't need to be a backup. James, find you somebody else. Go back to Trey Turner, do something different. Find you somebody else. Cesar Ruiz and McCoy under contract. Landon Young could also be a player to use in a mix. He showed something. In short, you need a veteran offensive tackle or two. I love the thought process last offseason bringing in someone like Trey Turner, which was good. He got hurt early on, but, you know, if he's healthy, bring him back. He says, where I swing the most when free agent opens, I wouldn't rule out bringing back Cam Irvin. I wasn't impressed with that, but it could be a cheap thing. And you look at some of the targets, they see Trent Brown and Jonah Williams on there, Michael Owonu, and a few others. I don't know if the Saints make a, a splash at a veteran left tackle. I've advocated for that, you know, but then again, we'll see where they mind at. But avoid the splash, stay in the bargain bin. Aside from Derek Carr, the Saints needed some pieces that fit the team well and didn't pay a ton getting two defensive tackles and Kalen Saunders and Nate Shepard well under the market value was smart bringing backs in like Hugo Amadi and Lonnie Johnson Jr. helped special teams as well as have another option in a slot at safety Jamal Williams didn't have the season anyone expected begin bidding and again the offensive line wasn't good with the exception of the old line the Saints should focus on finding players that fit the mold and will give them the team respectability playing time with starting upside one area should they should look at is getting a veteran receiver that would back up, you know, backfield a potential loss in Michael Thomas, which is that wouldn't be a bad bet to look for a veteran guy to um to come in for Mike Thomas. I, I think Mike is going. Um, but yeah, veteran option wouldn't be a bad bet in terms of a wide receiver for the Saints, depending on how much money they're gonna spend on the process. But really, resources need to be placed to the Saints. Um, offensive line. That's a major problem. They need to figure that out. Uh, three spots there, left tackle, left guard, 
um, in the right tackle position need to be that that is very important just because how the Saints looked, especially in the last game of the season. Remember how they won that game. The Saints beat the Falcons that way because they were running the ball. They were running the ball and Derek Carr was not the the reason in terms of, you know, he wasn't the number one option in terms of between the passing and the running attack. The Saints had more attempts running the ball than they did him passing the ball. And he looked more comfortable in that role, which is what it was supposed to be. The running game was supposed to lead the Saints offensively, the, the, the running game, and then the passing game off the back of that. They couldn't get the running game going consistently for whatever reason. They definitely have to beef up the offensive line. That's no problem. That is, that is key measurement number one. All right. So anyway, let's take a look at the sink or swim, boom or bust situation. Every, everything above isn't exactly how it will look at the end of the day. The truth is no one really knows what will happen. The Saints are always a team that pulls a shock and eye in one another. The reality that is the importance of working. It is what matters. If the Saints can't get uh, to it to get, get it together for next season, things might just look very different for the Saints. Dennis Allen is down to his final stake and his playoffs are nothing. This is the team's last chance to make something of itself with their current core. Not getting in the postseason could prompt a total build. The Saints brain trust, and I, I use that title very, very loosely for them. Can't get away with mediocrity again. The results need to speak for itself in 2024, and the work starts now to build up and went back the fan, the family members and the doubters. This is the thing here. In the NFL, the Saints are too comfortable. They're way too comfortable. I made mention of teams like Philadelphia and all these other family bases. A floor has been set and a culture has been set in the city of New Orleans. 